is the Healthy Free Life Show, where you're going to learn a new way to eat and live healthy for the glory of God. Hi, I'm Katrina. And I'm Chris, and we're on a mission to help you get healthy, ditch disease, lose weight, and find food freedom so you can fulfill your God-given purpose. So if you're ready to get healthy and free so that you can live that abundant life that you've been promised, then let's do the thing. Today, we have an amazing guest. Her name is Alicia Michelle with Vibrant Christian Living. Alicia is a certified neuro coach, and through her coaching courses and Bible studies, she just loves equipping Christian women with practical brain and body-based tools to break free from worry and exhaustion of perfectionism, people-pleasing and performance that comes from feeling never enough. All of these things that many of my Healthy Free Life Show listeners struggle with, myself included. And if we don't deal with these thoughts and emotions in a healthy way, listen, we're going to be tempted to reach for food and substances to potentially numb our feelings because it doesn't feel good. And we just want to feel better in the moment. And this can lead to emotional eating and repeated patterns in our life of emotional eating. Well, Alicia has a unique methodology called ADD, which stands for Acknowledge, Discern, and Decide. And she's going to be teaching us about it today here on her podcast. ADD is a tool that you're going to be able to use to help with managing those in-the-moment emotions and help you to make better choices that are in alignment with your values and your goals. I can't wait for you to meet Alicia. Let's dive in. So Alicia, welcome. What I'd love for us to do first is just to share a little bit more about you and specifically, what is a neuro coach and what led you into this ministry of helping women? Hmm. That's a big question, but I will start from the beginning. So I am Alicia Michelle. I am a writer, an author, a speaker, podcast host of the Christian Mindset Coach podcast um, and, and a coach, a neuro coach specifically. So to answer your question about what is a neuro coach, a neuro coach is a coach that has a special certification to understand the deeper thoughts behind a thought, so to speak, the subconscious thoughts that are happening, understanding why they're there, understanding how to shift and change them, specifically using brain science tools. One of the favorite ones that we use is a process called brain priming to change the neural pathways inside of our minds to think differently, literally. And so that we can adopt the mindset and the thoughts that are going to be more in line with whatever we want to think. And so I use that skill set in helping Christian women with their identity and what's going on, specifically how they have answered the questions, am I worthy? Am I enough? And am I loved? Mm -hmm. So using those tools to help them identify what is what are those thoughts that are there? How did they get there? What does it make sense? And then finding healing from that and then replacing those thoughts with what God's truth is about it. So it's a specific process. How I got into this process is because I know we had mentioned before we got on, um, some of the listeners, some of your students that you work with really struggle with not knowing how to even manage their emotions or deal with their emotions or you know, like they don't feel emotions per se. And I grew up in an atmosphere where I felt very anxious all the time. And so I didn't know what to do with those anxious feelings except to shove them down and push them away and to not deal with them. Uh, work harder, push harder, achieve more. It was basically how I dealt with it. And so the process for me of learning how to see emotions as not something that takes over my life, but something that is 
I like to think of them as check engine lights inside mm -hmm. of my system of God showing me what am I, what's going on? Like what's, what's happening inside that I can work through and, and, and change or um, address just with his power. So that process for me um, started in 2017. I had everything kind of culminated in my life up to that point in terms of my emotions. I had a major medical crisis that came out of nowhere, nearly took my life, was in the hospital for two weeks and was home in bed for eight months. And mm. during that time, God just stripped everything away and said, you know, you need to live differently. You need to understand. It's not enough to just change some habits about your life. You need to understand what's causing you to stay stuck in these patterns. And as I did that and learned about more about the brain, got certified as a neuro coach, understood, wow, this is why I've been stuck in those patterns. This is why I couldn't hack my way out of it. That's when I shifted my coaching to really understand more of that side of things. And so, yeah, I found that it's so helpful to understand more about the deeper issues before we just try to, because we're so quick to just try to hack our way out of things, especially like you had mentioned, emotional eating or um, just everyday things that we feel. We want to stuff them down or we want to run from them instead of really understanding it's okay. We can sit with them. We can work with them and also what might be behind it in a deeper level. So that's a little bit about the work that I get to do with women. I love that. Um, and, you know, on a personal note, uh, I've been walking through a journey myself over the last couple of years. Um, having children can kind of bring out some of these things and you realize that there's patterns in your in your life that you need to yeah. address, right? Because children bring out the best, but also the very worst in us, right? And so um, through counseling, I identified that there were patterns I was doing in mothering and um, and and had to identify why was I behaving in such a way with my teenage daughter. And, um, and the, the realization when I was able to walk through that journey of identifying that my, what I was feeling was driven by my thoughts. My thoughts were then, you know, coming from a, a core belief, which I, I know that we're going to dive into, but this core belief, and it was firing off thoughts. And I didn't even realize it because all I was doing was reacting to them. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and I love that you mentioned the three uh, core beliefs that we operate out of, right? Am I, am I loved? Am I worthy? Am I enough? Yes. And mine, yes. mine is, I'm not enough. And mm. so that's, that's what I can express. But I think that when, when my therapist dug deeper, it was that I'm unworthy. And mm. so when you realize that the, you have these core beliefs that are driving, they fire off all of these exactly. yeah. thoughts and, um, and lies yes. and we yeah. then operate on them. And so I know for me, it was profound when I began mm. realizing that I was operating out of a, of, out of a core belief of I'm not enough, I am unworthy and that affects everything. And yeah. so yeah. You know, our listeners here are are walking around with, with, um, with ideas and thoughts and lies potentially that are driving our behavior. And some of the behaviors that are my students struggle with the most are in the area of emotional eating. And so we're not going to dive into the science of emotional eating, but uh, eating emotionally, something is driving us mm -hmm. to do that, right? And it's yeah. the thoughts and the feelings. So. 
I would, you know, despite best intentions, despite having a desire to eat and live healthy, despite like doing it for the Lord and and wanting to restore our temple for his glory, despite like all of that, we still have these patterns in our life. And And we can have these emotions that lead us to the place where we're standing in front of the pantry. And so Mm -hmm. what I can't wait for us to unpack is in the moment emotions that we're experiencing, how do we uh, address those? You have a unique methodology and I'd love for us to unpack that. So can we start there? Where do we, what's happening? That would be great. Before we unpack that, let me, can I respond to something that you just said, which was really, really important about how we have this this dissonance between I know what the truth is, I know I'm supposed to eat healthier, or I know God doesn't say that about me. We have that truth logically, but we operate from the subconscious beliefs that are really in, that are really there. That's what we're really our thoughts are starting there. That's what creates the behavior eventually all the way down the line from the thoughts, creating the emotions, emotions, creating decisions, decisions, creating actions, actions, creating behavior all the way down the line. It starts with that thought. And so we can think something logically, but if we believe it in our subconscious mind, um, if we believe that differently, if we have a different soundtrack running there, that's what we're going to be operating from. Mm-hmm. And so many of us try to just willpower our way out of it. We try to logically overcome what is a primal true, like this is the foundational soundtrack you're operating from. And we can't do that. We have to change that soundtrack before we just try to keep trying to, you know, over, over to speak it, so to speak, you know, talk over it. It's not going to change until we address that underneath. So I'm glad that you shared that. In terms of emotional eating, before we get into the the three-part thing I want to share, so interesting because Often we emotionally eat when we're stressed and in times there've been so much work studies done. You've probably been aware of a lot of them. Um, One of my favorite researchers in this area is Dr. Judd Brewer. He does, he works with food addiction, but also any other addictions. And he's done a lot of clinical trials with his clients about like what, what would help the brain get out of these places. And he has noticed that when our brains are in those states where we're craving something or we find ourselves at the pantry and we're just mindlessly eating, we are not operating from the logical prefrontal cortex. We're operating from that subconscious limbic system, usually the amygdala, where it's just responding. It's just responding. And our logical brain is literally like turned off. Mm -hmm. So this is why we can't just say, just make a different decision in the moment sometimes because we're we're not even running by our no. logical brain. We're just like stuck. And then the more we do it, the more it creates the pattern. So there's that pattern response that's set up. We go to the pantry. Oh, well, this time of day, my body then begins to crave it because then there's the chemical saying, oh, well, you're usually hungry this time. You know, like all of it just kind of feeds into itself. We have to, we have to understand what's really happening, this whole systemic thing. That doesn't mean we can't break out of it, but when we get kind of past that initial stage of the emotional eating, it's like all of a sudden we we have that moment where we're like, wait a minute, I just ate this whole box of Oreos. Like, what am I doing? <laughs> and that's like the logical minds come back on and then the guilt starts and then right. the shame. It's like, oh, how did I get here? You know? Right. Because this so, is not who we are. We know no, this is not who we are. Like what, what are we doing? Right. Right. Yeah. We get so down on ourselves. Yeah. So it's interesting to see that. So I will share the, the three-step thing that can be really helpful, but I wanted just to first lay the ground for that, that if we, if you, anybody, me, you, listener, anybody feels like 
when I'm in that moment, like, why can't I just stop myself? I know I'm not supposed to do this. It's because there is a biological process happening that's outside that makes it a lot harder to do that because your brain is like not logically in the right place at that moment. It's more in a subconscious primal state. Um, so the, the three steps, this is just a kind of a general uh, three-step method that I teach clients and those in my coaching courses that is not just for emotional eating. It's in general, any kind of emotion. It's called ADD. It's not the ADD that we all know of in mental health. It's um, an acronym that stands for acknowledge, discern, and decide. So in that moment, first acknowledging, what am I feeling? What is going on? Why does it make sense? Why does it make sense that I'm feeling this way? This is a really, really critical step because a lot of us just instantly, when we notice, oh, here I am feeling sad again, here I am feeling depressed, whatever, we just instantly try to to like beat ourselves out of it. Like, well, God doesn't want me to be depressed and he just says, find joy in this. And we try to like yell at ourselves to change. And we do need to get to that place of logic, truth, where God's truth reigns in our heart. At the same time, God is a God of compassion. He's a God of emotion. When he came, for example, I was just reading the story of Lazarus this morning, raising of Lazarus. And when he comes to Mary and Martha, he takes the time to grieve and to feel the emotion that's there. He notices how they're grieving, all the people that have come to support and love them through this grief of the death of their brother. He sits there, he weeps. He feels the indignation of the moment of why did this guy have to die? He feels all of that. He doesn't just say, okay, come in, miracle, we're done. You know, he notices, he's the God of, of sorrows. He feels it with us. And so that when we can sit in that moment and acknowledge, wow, it really does make sense why I'm sad because I've had a rough few years, you know, or this has been happening in my life and I'm really disappointed by this. Just, we don't wallow in it, but we notice and, and acknowledge it. And that opens the door, especially in the brain to be like, it's also, you're not just shutting it off because if we shut it off, it's still there. Mm-hmm. So we're opening the door to acknowledge it and to, and to recognize that it's, it's part of it. And we're saying, God, please show me your compassionate spirit as I sit here. Grieve with me. Help me to feel this. Second step is to discern. In this step, we ask ourselves what's true and what's not true. You know, it is true that I've had a rough few couple of years. It is true that that I was disappointed by the situation. It's not true that the story's over. It's not true that I need to live in fear about this situation. It's not true that God has left me. It's not true that I'm unloved. Whatever lies that we're feeling at that moment where we allow ourselves to sink down, like what is true and what's not true? Discerning the difference between those. And then Lastly, deciding based on all this information, it's not that my problem is completely solved and I'm never going to feel the emotion, the sad part of the emotion or acknowledging again, but what do I want to do with this? Mm-hmm. How do I want to move forward? How do I want to manage what I'm feeling? Uh, this morning I went to my women's study at church and there was a speaker there. She was just only spoke for like 10 minutes, but it was one of the ladies from our group and she shared her cancer journey. She's in the middle of work walking through cancer. It's been three years. She's in her first round of chemo. She has stage four liver cancer. Mm. And what I loved about her story was this decision that she had made. She was very honest with herself about the emotion she felt. She'd acknowledge them. She had seen the truth of it and she had decided, I am not going to just lay down and die. I'm not going to just feel like God has abandoned me. I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to let the emotion of the sadness of what's ahead and the fear of what's ahead overtake me. 
I'm just, I'm feeling all of that, but I'm deciding. She gave the example of um, the man who was laying by the pool of Bethesda and Jesus comes by and says to her, says to him, do you want to get well? Like mm. then pick up your mat and walk. And he, she's like, I'm deciding that God is still asking me to pick up my mat and walk. I still have people to share about his love with. I still have a mission. And, you know, I'm not going to sit around and feel sorry for myself because of this. I can't. It's too short. I don't know how much time I have left to share his mission. Mm. So for me, that's the decision. Like that's perfect example of somebody who isn't running away from the emotion. She's not living in delusion. She's stage four cancer. She, I mean, the fear of she has young children, like, of course it's there. The, but her ability to to say, I'm going to discern what's true and what's not true, and I'm going to make a different decision. Like, I'm in control of that decision. So all of that, that process is um, something really simple to, to, to remember and to hold on to, but it's something that can be applied to all kinds of emotions. And sometimes we stay stuck in acknowledge longer than others or, or, you know, discern longer than others. We're kind of moving through those emotions. But those three pillars are just a really great way to to see and to to not dismiss emotion, but to not wallow in it either, and to invite God into that process of monitoring emotions. Mm, I love that. And so, if we were to kind of walk through that discernment, can I? Can we camp out on discernment? Yeah. Is is that, or even awareness? Is that mm. oftentimes it's hard to understand the the feeling, what we're actually feeling. And sometimes it's hard to understand the thought. So, you know, when we go to a discern, if, we, if we're if we having trouble unpacking what even the thought is, it's hard to even then make a decision. And so yeah. how do we begin the process of better tuning in and becoming aware of the emotions and the thoughts that we're having so that we can make better decisions in the moment? So do you have yeah. any suggestions for us? Yeah, that's that's a great question. And it's a skill that I believe it's a mindset. I call them mindset life skills. It's a mindset life skill to learn how to look at what we're feeling inside, how to identify what some of those thoughts are. It's something that we have to learn, just like we have to learn how to wash our clothes and do the dishes. It's just part of life, right? And I think that one of the best things we can do to start is to one of the exercises we talk about all the time in coaching is just to begin to make a journal, like write down every day for say three days, just write, have a little journal, a little piece of paper with you. Just notice what are you thinking throughout the day? What are some regular thoughts on repeat? I think the statistic is something like 80% of the thoughts that we have are the same from day to day. It's the same thoughts we have over and over. So what are those thoughts that are on repeat? No, you don't have to analyze it and come up with some big conclusion. Just it's interesting to note, almost like a scientist, what's in, what's, what's, what's there? Like, I don't even know. And that process alone is just usually pretty eye-opening. It was for me when I first started doing it, just like, wow, I think that a lot. I've thought mm -hmm. that like five times today. <laughs> hmm, that's interesting. I wonder, wonder what that's about. So just starting to notice that, um, that's a very powerful exercise. And then there's also something we do called morning pages. And this is taken from, the, the, the word morning pages is taken from Julia Cameron's book, The Artist's Way. It's a practice that she encourages in there, but it's literally having a journal every morning or whenever you choose to in the day just writing out three pages of anything. You can write your thoughts. You can write your to-do list. You can write a, a scripture, whatever. Just getting the thoughts going. You can write, I hate writing this. This is so boring. <laughs> whatever you want to write. It's the idea of moving our thoughts from just rattling in our head to getting them out on a piece of paper. And there is a lot of brain science around the idea of 
not just typing a thought, but literally writing it out with handwriting, moving it from that inner part of our mind out, it somehow recognizes it more. It somehow notices it more. It, it, it becomes more real. And a lot of clarity can happen when we, we, we notice, wow, I've been thinking about that a lot, or I can see how this is a lie or this isn't a lie, but, but making, making that as a habit of checking in with ourselves to see what it, what's really there. And mm not being afraid of it. And we don't have to give ourselves again, that pressure to have it all figured out and to know what the root is and all that kind of stuff. Just like seeing, starting to just have it come out and beginning to notice it as part of who you are and not shaming yourself for it, Mm -hmm. which is huge because shame is huge in this area. Not shaming yourself for having a thought that might be, you know, that God doesn't say that about me. It's okay. Like God is God's God sees it. He knows it. So let's bring it out. So it can begin to come to the light and then we can work through it. So those are two simple practices to do. So really just the practice of it. And I love how you, you say it is a practice because I know that in my life, when I've done these things, it's, you know, I'll do it for several days and then I will fall off. Right. Because it's like, is this of really value? Is it, you know, one, I'm not, I haven't developed the habit yet, but then it's also, I know I'm not getting the fullness of it, but it is practice. And over time, building that, um, building the muscle of identifying and, and taking those thoughts. Right. And then eventually, um, you know, the word says to take every single thought captive, right? And so, and then present it before, before Christ. It's so, is this thought true? And that's where you're, where we're discerning, right? Right. Yes. So it's, it's really, really that awareness and that getting those thoughts out is really step one. And then we can begin to begin to discern and then make a decision upon that, which is phenomenal. I love that. I like to think of the three parts as, um, in, in terms of inviting God into it, is that first step of acknowledging is stepping into His compassion. His, His uh, Jesus is right next to me, sitting with me, with His arm around me, holding me through this, feeling the emotion with me. Then the discern part is the wisdom of the Holy Spirit saying, "Okay, here is the truth," not yes. in a condemning manner but in a convicting manner. In the same way, again, the woman who was caught in adultery coming to her and saying, where are your accusers? Like, you know what the truth is. Go and sin no more. Don't make a different decision in the future. I'm not here to shame you, condemn you. I'm telling you, let's here's the truth. Let's make a different decision moving forward. So helping us see that truth, him identifying, helping to, to separate out the truth from the lies. And then that third step having the courage Mm -hmm. to decide to step into, okay, I'm going to move forward. Like the the friend of mine who shared about cancer, I'm going to choose to move forward, believing this. I'm going to, I'm going to operate from this perspective, even though I'm still feeling these other things, God's still kind of helping me process it. I'm still, I have the power to decide how I'm going to handle it. And I'm calling on his courage to make that happen. Mm. Oh, yeah, that's powerful. There's a lot of, um, there's a lot of fear in that last step, you know, that can, that can come up, uh, in that deciding because it's going to often require change. It's going to require, um, a different approach because the patterns, while we don't like the patterns in our life, we're comfortable in those patterns because it's what we know. And 
our brain yeah. screams loudly when we decide to disrupt those. And so I love how you shared that it's going to take courage to mm-hmm. make a different decision. It's going to take uh, leaning on the Lord for his strength to um, to have the strength to make that decision. And so as as we make those new decisions, do you have any encouragement for um, how we make those different choices? Yes. Okay. So first, just to talk about fear. I love this concept. When I learned this, it just set me free. So mm-hmm. there are two, there are more than two, but there are two words that are used in the Old Testament for fear. One of them is Yurah, and the other one is Pakad. So there are two different meanings of fear. Pakad is the kind of fear that is like that, that kind of fear, like you shouldn't, you have a fear of driving hundred miles now on the freeway because you get in an accident. You have a fear of touching a hot stove because you could get burned. Like it's a fear that is based in a, a, a truth that, you know, you probably should listen to. You probably shouldn't touch a hot stove. You probably shouldn't drive hundred miles an hour. Um, but the Eurah fear is that opening up that feeling of something bigger that God's calling me to that expansion of what's unfamiliar it's that stepping into, oh, wow, I see God calling me to this and that's going to take courage. That's going to take, you know, something different outside of myself. And that's the kind of fear we lean into. Mm-hmm. Your raw fear we lean into, Picard fear we listen to. So mm-hmm. it's that difference. And if we can begin, but a lot of times they're together. Like it's, it's, yeah, you know, let's, you know, be smart about this, but God is calling you to this, you know, a lot of times they're together, but if we can begin, because so often we just have, we say it's fear and it's like, but is it fear that you really need to listen to that's to keep you safe? Or is it fear that God is, you know, it's, it's a stretching that God's calling you to. And that's the kind of fear that's, that's not less scary, but it is a leaning into like um, in labor. For those of you listening, if you've ever gone through the, the birth process, you know that the labor contractions aren't bad. They're welcoming a baby into the world. So we learn to, in natural childbirth, to lean into the contractions, even though they're painful, but to lean into it versus running from it mm. in that moment. Uh, so that for me was very, very helpful. I love that. After we've prayed and asked for the Lord to come in and strengthen us, after we've realized that we can face this fear, it's the doing. How do we then begin to embrace the doing? doing mm. differently because God's called us to do differently. Right. Well, again, I think first understanding what's happening in our minds, that it is scary, that our mind likes to be safe. Our, our brain is, is wired to keep us alive. And anything that feels risky is going to sh- throw up all kinds of red flags. And are you sure? And doubt and fear, all this kind of stuff. So that's normal to know like that's normal as part of that acknowledgement process. It's normal. I'm not weird for feeling like this. I'm not wrong for feeling like this. This is how my body's reacting, but I get to be bigger than how I am. I'm not just a, a, a flesh and bone being an animal. I am a spirit filled God following daughter of God. You know, I get to choose how I want to respond to this. I'm not just a, a collection of chemicals that's responding. So being able to kind of see that happening understand why it's there and have compassion on it and begin to invite God into asking him for help to say, what can I have your courage? Show me what that first step is. Give me the ability to step into it. And um, again, a, a quote that I read a few days ago from Mother Teresa. Mm-hmm. There was a man who came to her and who had said, Mother Teresa, I have this big decision ahead of me. I really need clarity on what God wants for me in this situation. And she said, I will not pray for clarity for you. 
I will pray that you will trust God more because mm-hmm. when you have clarity, you're still clinging on to, I need an answer to move forward. You're still clinging onto the flesh. When you have trust, you've let go and you're just following God. So mm-hmm. asking powerful. ourselves, right? Like asking yeah, ourselves, so powerful. what is it that I am truly afraid of? Is it Picard? Is it Yurah? And God, what, how would you want me to respond to that? Help me to, if you want me to move forward in it, help me to know and have the courage to do that. And ultimately, a lot of it is, we just kind of have to do it. We have to take that step at that point. Yeah. I, um, I've coined the phrase, do the thing. It's Mm -hmm. at some point we do have to do the thing. And so when we've, and, um, and there's, there's a lot of power in that. And there's a lot of um, good things on the other side that are waiting for us and in that. So I love that quote from Mother Teresa. Thank you for sharing that. So, wow, Alicia, you've um, just opened up so much here for us because I truly believe that um, we are not victims to our emotions. We're not victims to uh, even our behaviors. And for us to begin to understand what's truly going on, um, we can understand that it's not all our fault. We've just allowed, we've allowed our brains to kind of run the show. Our, um, you know, our, our, our not our frontal core <laughs> cortex being the one that is making yeah. the decisions and, and we're yeah. not logical all the time. Yeah. Um, right. even though we desire to be, we think that we are, but we're not. And so to, to have that, to regain that power is so incredible. And so I know that you have some great gifts for our listeners that I know you want to share. So can you share how can our listeners kind of learn more about what you do and, and dive into what you offer? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, so I have a couple of different free gifts that would love to be able to share with you. Um, one of them is addressing that issue that you talked about in the beginning about not feeling enough. That's actually the number one thing that I hear from women I work with. I don't feel enough. And it's not like because they haven't heard that God says they're enough. It's not that they don't have loving families that tell them they're enough. There is some sort of a subconscious pattern that's there that's telling them they're not enough. And so I have a free training called Break Free from Feeling Never Enough. And you can find that at vibrantchristianliving.com forward slash mind. And it talks about this process of understanding more about our mind, more about the brain science behind it, and how we can use them together along with the Bible to get to the root of those issues and rewire them using brain priming, what that process is like. So it's very powerful. It's a free training again. So you guys can check that out there. And then you can also listen to the podcast. So my podcast is the Christian mindset coach and it's updated every week. We talk about all this kind of stuff with brain science and the Bible and mindset. And I would love to also connect on Instagram. That's at Alicia Michelle coach. So any of those ways I would love to reach out with you and continue this conversation further. Wonderful. We will put all of those links and resources down in the show notes. So definitely check that out. And I will be signing up for your break free from never (laughs) feeling enough Um, because it's a journey for sure uh, for me as I, because it's easy to go back into old patterns. And so it's a, it's that practice that we were talking about. It's a practicing because these patterns have been there since childhood for many of us, right? So how do we begin to, as an adult um, who, you know, who should be overcome, who, who should yes. have overcome this by now, but we're still works in progress. The Lord's not finished with us yet. Um, yeah. But it's always there knocking on our doors for those of us who struggle. So um, I'm and excited for that. It, well, sorry to interrupt you. Um, no. That's what we talk about in that training is that it's, it's not just a, a quick thing. It's a 63 to 67 day process of rewiring those neurons. It takes that long for the old neurons to die off because they're being unused and to create the new patterns, almost like pulling down an old bridge, building a new bridge. That's literally what has to happen. And any 
the science says any maybe 30 days, like people say 30 days to a habit, 21 days. Well, the, the new habit is built, but the old bridge isn't fully gone. So right. you're kind of have both patterns going. And that's where a lot of people get stuck is they do it for a little while. Like, oh, well, I'm doing this and whatever this is, you know, I'm putting that in quotes, but um, mm-hmm. the brain science, the priming is what really literally is pulling it away and putting up the new stuff. So anyway, yeah, yeah. I'd love to have the class and all the other people too would be great. Yeah. And the question is, are we willing to put in the work and the effort to make right. it to the other side? And, um, and so that's where our willingness and the power of the Lord is going to help us to, to overcome. So yeah. awesome. Yeah. Well, Alicia, it has been a joy to have you. I am so delighted to get this information into the listeners who are tuning in. And um, I can't wait for them to discover more about you and learn how to overcome. So thank you thank so much. You. Thanks for the opportunity to share today. And now let me leave you with this from 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5. I'm going to share with you the translation from the Message Bible. I just love Eugene Peterson's interpretation of this verse to hear it fresh again. We use our powerful God tools for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, fitting every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. Amen. Amen. Until next time, bye for now.